Welcome to This Is My Elgin, Hometown Songs and Stories. Once again, I'm your host, Sherry Blazier, and this is Webisode, I guess you call them, number three. This week I want to talk about Bluff City Cemetery and my maternal side, which was all Scandinavian. Mom's mom was a Swede, and Mom's dad was a Norwegian. Grandma Knudsen died when I was three, although I do remember her a little, and I remember quite well the day she died which was at Oliver Nursing Home. And that was right across the street from the Observatory-Planetarium. It's an entirely different building there now, but it's still a care facility. Grandpa Knudsen died when I was 20, so at least I got to know him pretty well. I became interested in genealogy, my genealogy, when I was about seven. And so I always tried extra hard to listen to family stories as they were being recounted for the uh, thousandth time. But I do regret that I didn't pay more attention to Grandpa Knudsen's and write them down. Very few of his stories stand in my mind, and I'm sure that two of them are only because of the uh, gore factor. Uh, One was from a brief time that in his youth, uh, when he um, tried farming in Canada, and uh, a neighbor got his finger lopped off in some or another farm machinery, and Grandpa wrapped up the severed digit in his handkerchief and took it with when they rushed the poor fellow to the nearest doctor, hoping that he would be able to sew it back on, but no such luck. And uh, the other was a terrible story of an airplane crash in Carpentersville, and this would have been the late 20s, maybe 1930, and uh, there was a fair that featured airplane rides, which was a novelty back then. And Grandpa and his family, including uh, a sister and a couple of her little kids, were waiting in line for their turn. And when they got to the front of it, the pilot asked if they'd mind if the two young men in line behind them could go first instead, so that there would be room for Grandpa's entire group the next ride. So Grandpa said, sure. And When the plane had barely taken off, it crashed. And Grandpa, along with others, dashed across the field to the wreckage and helped pull one of the victims out. And the part that, of course, stuck in my mind was uh, that he told me that the, the young man's eyeballs were popped out of their sockets. He wasn't quite dead, but he would be shortly after arrival at Sherman Hospital. Um, And the other young man passenger was also killed, and maybe some other people. I can't remember if the pilot was killed. Well, naturally, it led him to contemplate how close he and his own family had come to being those victims of the crash. And maybe that had something to do with his thereafter love for walking at Bluff City Cemetery, spotting the names of people he had known on the gravestones and telling their life stories and anecdotes about them. So I was going on the Elgin Historical Society Cemetery Walk long before there was an Elgin Historical Society Cemetery Walk. So as I said, I was three when my grandma Knudsen died, grandpa's wife, and she was buried at Bluff City. 
And so in that year of 1963 and well beyond, Grandpa wanted to go there a lot and see to it there were well-tended flowers on her grave and stroll around. My mother and I would go with him, and occasionally we would take with us uh, Grandpa's sister, my great-aunt Clara, whom we all called Tanta. Now, uh, Tanta Clara, like my grandpa, still had a slight Norwegian accent. They had come to America when they were 10 and 13, I think, respectively. And I could only imitate that accent when it came to what Tanta said when she called our house and I answered the phone. And she sounded exactly like this. Is your mother there? I used to freak my mom out with that impersonation. Anyway, whenever Tanta would come with us to Bluff City, she brought her own watering can, which was a coffee can that she had punched two holes in near the top on opposite sides and strung what I assume was picture wire through it. Now, could she afford a plastic watering can from Woolworths? Yes, she could, but stubborn Norwegians. So to save a few pennies, she made her own. And it wasn't just any coffee can. It was Chase and Sanborn brand, which had old-timey pictures of the company's two founders on the can. Or maybe they were like Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben and not real characters, I, real people and just were characters. I don't know. But what I do know is when she, uh, whenever we went to Tanta's house, which was on Orchard Street at the corner of Holly, the second she opened the door, it was like a coffee bomb had gone off in there. It just slammed you in the face. I mean, the smell was... Um, it was like a Starbucks to the 10th power. And maybe that's because her preferred method of making coffee was percolating it on her stovetop. So back at Bluff City, well, we would find um, <clears throat> one of those spigots placed here and there throughout the cemetery, and she would fill her coffee can with water and then ask me if I'd like to carry it, which my mother would noddingly indicate that I should to be helpful but I hated it because with the weight of the water, the wire almost cut into my little hands. And so I'd be struggling and sloshing the water over the top and stumbling around in pain, trying to carry it with both hands to a grave. And meanwhile, Grandpa would be standing there regaling us with all his stories. Well, he had worked in a lot of local grocery stores throughout his life. And so some of the graves we would stop at would be his old bosses like Otto Kerber, August Sheely, and Old Man Gromer. And that's a story I do remember. Um, for whatever reason, they called him Old Man Gromer. Grandpa had eventually become the longtime dairy manager at the Gromers on Liberty Street. Now, today, most people in or from Elgin who remember Gromer's supermarket remember Dick Gromer running it and his wife Bernice playing the organ in the store. Well, the Gromer's brand went back another generation to Dick's father. And when he died unexpectedly, I think it was like the mid-50s, the mid-1950s, and, uh, and he was probably in his 50s himself, uh, my grandpa, of course, attended the funeral. And it was held in a church in downtown Elgin, and grandpa parked his car along the street, and he went into the church, and um, he was unaware that the service would be as long as it was. It was like a couple of hours. And then at the end, someone slid up to Grandpa and asked if he would be a pallbearer. 
Well, Grandpa was honored to be asked, and he said, sure. And so he helped bring the casket of old man Gromer out of the church and loaded into the hearse, and he got into one of the special funeral procession cars near the front, and um, they were off to Bluff City Cemetery, where they got the casket out of the hearse and to the grave site. And when that service was all over, he rode in the special car back to the church downtown, where he found a parking ticket on his own car. The meter had expired. Well, Grandpa had been an auxiliary uh, policeman in the 1940s and slightly into the 1950s, so he went to his friends at the police department and he said, can you give a fellow a break? I was at old man Gromer's funeral and I was asked to be a pallbearer. So happy ending, they tore up the ticket. Now, as I said, uh, Grandpa died when I was 20. It was April of um, 1980. He was 84 years old, and he had just plain worn out. Um, I think we all remember the silliest things from certain moments of our lives like those, but I remember that a couple of days before he died, I had come home from Gromers. You see, it all comes full circle to Gromers. But by then, their only store was in the uh, Wing Park Shopping Center on McLean Boulevard. I'd come home with specially packaged Coca-Cola. They were trying to phase out their glass bottles about then, and so they were test marketing cans of 16 ounces each instead of the usual 12-ounce cans because the old bottles had 16 ounces. But they were using the same plastic connectors on the cans, and with that added weight, they had a tendency to fall out when you lifted the six-pack. Now, wouldn't you know it, I was unloading one of those six-packs of oversized Coke cans from a Gromer bag sitting on our kitchen floor. I was lifting it up to the kitchen counter when one escaped, and bam, fell on my foot. And it, it probably broke a couple of toes, but I just had to tough it out because... We had Grandpa in the hospital at that moment, knowing he was probably not going to pull through this time, and he didn't. So I just limped around the best I could. And I only had one pair of shoes that I could wear and be able to walk, and that was a really tattered old pair of slip-on hush puppies. They were practically slippers. So that's what I had to wear to Grandpa's graveside service at Bluff City which was conducted by Reverend Rungley, a well-known and by then pretty ancient Norwegian pastor in Elgin. And as I hobbled away from Grandpa's grave, uh, Tanta, who had died in 1974, was just next to him. I, I remember looking down at uh, my nasty old hush puppies and remembering the similar difficulty I had navigating... <laughs> in the cemetery while I was trying to lug those Chase and Sanborn cans around. And uh, and I was thinking of how many great Elgin stories were now lost and would never be told again. But not so very long after is when the Bluff City Cemetery walks began, which I, of course, loved, and uh, I know how much uh, Grandpa and Tanta would have loved them. So, Flash forward to just a couple of years ago. By then I was uh, pretty active on Facebook posting Elgin-related photos and whatnot from my own collection. And I happened to make an album of Bluff City Cemetery photos, and I included in it a photo that was not actually taken in Bluff City, but at the long-gone Channing Cemetery in Elgin, where Channing Memorial School is now. 
Um, many of you have probably passed by the log cabin monument at Bluff City along the front road. Well, it was originally at Channing Cemetery, and for reasons I cannot begin to guess, among the photographs that my grandpa Knudsen left behind was one of that log cabin. And the picture drew the attention of a local historian and writer, Steve Stroud. And although he didn't know me, I certainly knew who he was. Uh, he had written several wonderful books about historic Elgin homes and a book about our cemeteries titled Silent City. Steve and his wife were the chairs of the Cemetery Walk Committee for some years, and, and that year's uh, was just a couple of weeks away. And he was very excited by the log cabin monument photo because he'd never before seen one that was taken at its original location in Channing Cemetery. So he asked if I could scan it for him um, because he would like to use it in the program for the upcoming Cemetery Walk. And also he was thinking of doing a sequel to Silent City. And he even offered to pay me for it. And I said, heck no, I, I had no idea who the photographer was. It was not the same size or style of any other photo in our family collection. So I couldn't imagine my grandpa Knutson himself had taken it. But I'd be honored to see it used. And I knew that grandpa would have been thrilled too. So I scanned the photo and I sent it to Steve on the eve of the annual housewalk, which takes place a couple of weeks before the cemetery walk. And approaching one of the houses on the housewalk, I saw Steve at an information booth for the Historical Society. And I went up to him and I introduced myself. And I should note here that I have been known to um, strongly express political opinions on Facebook from time to time. And I said, Steve, I'm Sherry Blazier. And he, he looked me up and down as he sat there. I remember he was connected to a portable oxygen tank. And I will never forget his precise words. You're Sherry Blazier? Boy, you sure can get cranky on Facebook. Well, some people I might have got off on, but there was something about Steve that I'm sure others will tell you. He just managed to make it sound so affable, and I instantly liked him. So the months went by, and uh, Steve and I had several sporadic Facebook conversations on Elgin history stuff. And in uh, early April of 2019, I was floored when he sent me a message that he wanted to know if I'd be interested in working on a special project with him. What I... And that was just the sort of Elgin-y thing that I'd been waiting all of my life for. But without launching into a very long saga... I'll just say that the offer came to me at the worst possible moment it could have. I, so I, I literally had tears in my eyes as I responded to him. Steve, I would absolutely love to right at this moment. My life is totally up in the air, but the second my feet touch ground again, I would love to work with you on anything. Great, he answered, and it didn't seem like time was of the essence. And then three or four days later... Steve Stroud suddenly passed away without having told me what the special project was. I introduced myself to Laura at his visitation, and she said, You're Sherry Blazier? Steve came out of his office a few days ago, all happy, and he said, Honey, I'm going to work on a special project with Sherry Blazier. And I said, Great, who's Sherry Blazier? So, what was the project? And my heart sank. I was hoping you could tell me. 
at the end of Steve's uh, at the end of Steve's graveside service, uh, Ed, you guessed it, at Bluff City, um, we were encouraged to take metallic colored paint markers and write a final thought on the top of his casket. And I wrote, "So, when are we going to start that special project?" I got the answer a couple months later in a very karmic kind of way. Without her husband, Laura Stroud had bowed out of doing the uh, chairing of the annual cemetery walk, and Rudy and Lillian Galfi became the new chairs, and they decided to add a stage production for the very first time. All the characters who appeared in person, as it were, at the actual cemetery walk would reprise their roles a week later in play form, and the presentation was to be called Silent City Speaks, in honor of Steve's book about Elgin cemeteries. When I saw the Facebook post asking for actors and stage hands, etc., I knew it in an instant that my special project with Steve Stroud would be to write an opening song for the stage production, if allowed. And it was, and so I wound up performing it not only for Silent City Speaks, but also for the dedication of the, uh, the marker for the previously unmarked grave section of Bluff City Cemetery, which had been achieved with money donated in Steve's mem- uh, memory, uh, which was a special project he had wanted to do for a very long time. And so it all worked out, didn't it? Unfortunately, the day of that dedication at the cemetery, I had a terrible case of laryngitis and I couldn't sing it myself, but fortunately... My cousin Lisa Blazer Eby is a better singer than I am anyway, and she covered for me there. And later, uh, we sang it together as a duet for a Sunday service church, Sunday service in her church. So we'll close this uh, episode of This Is My Elgin with this song, Silent City Speaks. It's dedicated to the cemetery walk itself, and to my grandpa Knutson and Tante Clara, but most especially to Steve Stroud. If you enjoyed this program, won't you give us a like? And if you can, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, do so at Eslyn Blazier, S-L-Y-N-N-B-L-A-Z-I-E-R at gmail.com for any comments. I thank One Source Productions for making it happen, and I thank you for listening. You may come here in winter when there's little that shows stones covered with burdens of snow. You may come here in spring, like a journal and for your thoughts can run clear as the spring in the fan. And the summer is heavy, the spirits they tease. They walk close beside you and yet remain serene. Shout the
Please listen. So please listen. 